Texas Tech had a sensational showing against Montana State on Friday, knocking down 12 threes and putting up 97 points in their win over the Bobcats. Now they look for a matchup today against Notre Dame, who is coming off of a nice one against Alabama. We'll break down that game and give our predictions on today's episode of Locked On Texas Tech. Our Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are free and available on all platforms. Thank you for joining us on today's episode, which is a Sunday episode. I'm Emery Lida, longtime Texas Tech writer and analyst. And going solo today, Ryan's feeling a bit under the weather. Hopefully he will be back for next week. And today we are going to be talking about the win over Montana State in which Tech was able to put up 97 points, which... I did not expect in the first round. Certainly that is a really nice offensive output for Tech. And then take a look at the Notre Dame game. Certainly the game against Montana State, a lot of people predicted it to be a blowout. It was one of those things where really like the first few minutes of the game really just set the tone. I mean, Tech was able to jump out to a 39 lead early. Zia Shannon connected on all three or all three of his first three three-point attempts. The offense really looked good. At one point, they were shooting 9-10, and Montana State had more turnovers than baskets for the first 10 minutes or so. This was an absolute clinic, and really Tech took that first-half lead and just slowly expanded on it for the rest of the game. I mean, you look at the coming in at halftime, scoring 52 points, which is tied for the second most that Tech had put up in a half all season and then really coming down the second half and continuing to assert the dominance ending up with 45 in that half as well obviously you're able to get some guys like buzo and kj allen some run which was nice and just in general this was one of the best performances we've seen tech put up the entire season and it felt nice to be able to get it in the tournament against the montana state team that really never stopped fighting and i mean that's one of the things Obviously, you saw why this team won 27 games in the regular season. This was a Montana State team that certainly lacked the talent to be able to match up to Tech, but they kept fighting. Even when they got down 25 or 30, they still were trying to run their offense and get good looks. And, I mean, at the end of the day, that's a sign of a good program. It's a team that did not give up, and you have to give props to them. But for sure, the story of the day was Texas Tech really probably having the most dominating First round win that we saw out of any team outside of maybe Baylor over Norfolk State. And then obviously Baylor lost to UNC, so it didn't really matter. But at the end of the day, like Tech's first round against Montana State would have been as well as you could have. It went better than any of the previous first round matchups that Tech has had in the tournament, dating back to when Chris Beard was first coach. I mean, you look at 2018 team was behind against Stephen F. Austin for a long time. Northern Kentucky gave Tech a little bit of a run in the 2019 tournament. And then even last year, Utah State's better team than any of the teams I just mentioned. And they were close for over a half. So to be able to just dominate in the first round was a nice change of pace. And I really feel like it's a testament to just how well prepared this team is for a run. I mean, you look at guys like TJ Shannon, Bryson Williams, Kevin O'Banner. It'd be easy for those guys to kind of be looking ahead a little bit. Certainly, this is a team that's beaten teams like Baylor this year. They've beaten teams like Kansas, teams that have been on the one line. It'd be easy to look ahead and kind of overlook this Montana State team, but it was clear from the get-go that this team was 
really taking this game seriously. You saw early on really good offensive stats. You were able to get a lot of ball movement, a lot of open perimeter shots, which is something that we really haven't seen at times this year. We've seen it kind of been, it's been lacking a little bit. So to be able to have that sort of offensive flow in the first part of the game, I thought was really nice and it just carried through for the rest of the game. I mean, if you're looking at negative points from this game, I would say really the only thing is the turnovers are maybe a little bit high. You have 12, but that's going to happen. And I mentioned that I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that when the offense is flowing well, it's natural to have a little bit more turnovers. You're going to have more ball movement. You're going to be maybe a little bit more aggressive trying to make passes. And so in general, like this, the turnovers don't concern me a ton. And certainly you saw a lot of talent on display. You're probably not going to be shooting that well going forward. I mean, when you shoot 17 and 19 from the rim, you shoot 12 of 20 from three. That is an outlier game. I mean that with all due respect, but when you're shooting over 85% in the paint and you're shooting 60% from three, those are numbers that if you did that every game, you'd win every game by 20 or more. You'd easily be in the national championship. But unfortunately, offense isn't meant to last like that. So still, though, having those numbers is encouraging. It wasn't some sort of fluky game where there was tough shots. These were really open threes that Tech was getting. I mean, if you look at the 12 threes back on tape, I believe 11 of them were assisted and all of them were good looks. It wasn't like Tech was having to hoist up a lot of contested threes to be able to get those looks. They were able to generate 20 three-point attempts and all of them, for the most part, were pretty much uncontested. So that's a positive sign. Obviously, being in the paint against a guy like Baylor for Montana State and certainly the FLS, or the length that they had on that roster – and it wasn't just easy pickings in the paint. Like, I think you had to get a good amount of cutting and action going inside to be able to get that sort of freedom and get the opportunity to score in the paint. So to still end up shooting 17 and 19 at the rim really shows just how good this team was offensively because Montana State had an emphasis on stopping the paint. We saw it in the game. We saw they really sort of tried to double Bryson Williams a fair bit. And Williams was mature. He was really patient making passes and I think that at the end of the day that really helped out Tech's offense so all in all it was a really good offensive performance defensively I think you maybe let up a little bit more than you probably should have certainly Montana State got quite a few open three looks but I mean the second half I wasn't too concerned I feel like when you're up by 30 and when your opposing teams are really trying to jack up those shots you're going to give up some open looks it's just kind of the nature and the flow of the game so Ultimately, the first half was about as locked in as I think I've seen Tech play all season on both ends. Offensively, certainly, like I mentioned, the flow, scoring 52 points and a half. And defensively, you're able to force a lot of turnovers in the first half and certainly make life really difficult for Montana State on that. And, I mean, you're looking at them. They ended up turning the ball over 16 times, only hit four shots at the rim. Like, that's ridiculous. For a team that relied so much on post-ups coming into the game, only scoring four points or four shots in the rim. I believe they're held to like 10 points in the paint total. It's incredible. I think it just speaks to the resilience of this team and just the overall complexion. I mean, you had guys switching onto guards effectively. Xavier Bishop was really unable to get much of anything going from a dribble penetration standpoint. It just felt like everything was working. But coming up next, we're going to take a look at some of the players that really stood out in this one. And there were a lot of them. And so I'm going to make sure look at those as well as sort of sort of highlights what they can bring to the table in the Notre Dame game. But first, I have a message from Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. 
Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one, one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallows. They're fluffy. They're marshmallow-y. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors, yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're so good. They're going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, including the Puffs. That's right, 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. They replace your favorite candy bars, and they are better than your favorite candy bars. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories, and Built.com can show you all the calorie information for Built Bars, but you should know that they are nowhere near that many calories. They usually only contain about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and roughly 17 grams of protein. And that is incredible. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has rough, around 240 calories, way more grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. They also have really cool flavors like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. And new for this month, they have the white chocolate cookies and cream. All of these are delicious, and they always have new flavors coming out all of the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they will make it. It will be delicious, and you know it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first. And then they figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how they make it healthy, but every single time they're able to do it. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your offer. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks for making Locked on Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And really, taking a look at this Montana State performance for Tech, few players really stand out. First off, you got to say TJ Shannon came out guns blazing, 20 points, three of four shooting from three. He's almost at 40% shooting from three on the season, which if you would have told me that a month ago, I would have thought you were insane. But such is, such is what low, low shot attempts, a little bit of variance, and just a shooter that's really hot can do to you. I mean, Shannon has been look, looking so good as an off-ball shooter the last few weeks. We've seen it in the Big 12 tournament, and now we saw it against Montana State. Catch-and-shoot looks, he was draining them, and I think that was a really important thing for this game because if he wasn't draining them, I think it would have been a little bit more difficult to pull away. Certainly, I mean, you were always going to have the athletic advantage, but to be able to be knocking down your shot, Shannon's three-point shot looked really good, and beyond that i mean i think that sort of opened up the rest of his game he was more aggressive attacking the rim after those first three three point shots and was able to get to the foul line quite a few times i believe he took eight free throws if i remember correctly yeah ended up taking eight made seven of them and then the other thing that really stood out in this game was his playmaking and people are going to look at the six assist total and immediately assume that but i think the more important thing was the type of assist he was getting. A lot of them were coming on downhill drives where he was able to see the defender rotating and make the pass, whether it be to the corner, to a cutting cutting guy, or anyone else, really. And that just shows sort of the maturity that TJ has shown. I feel like we brought it up a few times on this podcast, just looking at his development as a playmaker. But it bears repeating because this is one of the things that early on in the season, before the back injuries really started to flare up, we saw some really good development from TJ as a ball handler. We saw him making good reads. We saw him sort of initiating the offense more. And so for him to be able to kind of take on this role a little bit more as the season winds down, it's something that I think can really open up the potential for Tech's offense. Because if he's able to drive and make those plays, then it's going to open up open shots for other guys like an Adonis Arms or like a Davion Warren. And if you can get those open shots, I think it's going to be a lot easier to 
sort of hit them because at the end of the day, like this tech team has not been great at shooting threes, but they've also got capable shooters. I mean, arms is a guy that can knock them down. Dave Van Warren's roughly 30%. Kevin McCuller has been around that total. Like those aren't great guys, but they're guys that you can utilize. Also, you have guys off the pick and pop like Bryson Williams or Kevin O'Banner. I think you can really utilize that game. And something we saw against Montana State as well, really sort of in the second half, the pick and pop options opened up. Even if O'Banner wasn't able to hit a three, you still had that sort of gravity that was sort of pulling the defense away from guys like TJ. And I just think that it helped out to have TJ knocking down those threes and then eventually making really good decisions as a playmaker. Another guy that I felt like was really impressive as a playmaker was Adonis Arms. And the stat sheet doesn't really bear it out too much. He had four assists, two turnovers, or three assists, one turnover, excuse me, and ended up with 15 points. But I think the more impressive thing for me was just his maturity as a playmaker and his ability to consistently not get too out of control. We've seen that at times this year. But lately, he's been playing within himself. And I mentioned pregame that that was going to be one of the important factors is just not beating yourself, not letting Montana State get free opportunities because of sloppy plays. And Alonso Arms did a good job of staying under control. I feel like in the first half, we saw a lot of him as a ball handler. And I felt like that was a key for the offense as it wasn't necessarily him being exclusively the primary ball handler, but just him being kind of a pulse and being in control really helped out. And again, you can say the same thing for Kevin McCuller, who was the one that had four assists, two turnovers. He was someone that I felt like had a nice game as well and pushing in transition, making good decisions in that sense. And that's something he's been good at. And just in general, those guys were really good playmakers. Arms added in 15 points. It was as aggressive attacking the room as we've seen him in a little while. Ended up taking six free throw attempts and had a couple of really nice drives in that one. I think that his driving ability is something that I maybe overlooked coming into the season. And certainly I think it's something that Tech could utilize a little bit more often. But to see him have that sort of game in the tournament where he was being really aggressive, it's nice to see. Obviously, McCuller had those had 10 points, also had two steals that were worth noting. I believe both of them came in the first half. Went five of five from the two-point range. He had a couple of nice mid-range shots. One of them was a fadeaway late in the shot clock that I noticed. And that's just important because he's never going to be an elite shooter, I don't think. But if he can be hitting those mid-range shots, he's a smart player. He's able to recognize the shot clock situations well. He's a good mental timer in his head. I think that it helps him out in that sense. So if he's hitting those difficult shots, watch out. And certainly, I don't think the Tech wants to be taking a lot of those contested mid-range shots. But when it gets down there and you know you have McCuller and you know that he's capable of hitting those shots, it makes you more comfortable. So good game from Kev, really good game from everyone. I mean, Bryson Williams had quite possibly his quietest 20-point night of the season, 4 of 5 from 2-point range, 4 of 5 from 3-point range, had 4 turnovers, but also 3 assists. I think the assists are probably more important because if you're looking at his ability to make passes out of the post, that's going to deter teams from doubling him quite as often. And for me, that's more important. It's also worth noting, I believe he had 2 dead ball turnovers in this game, so really it was only 2 live ball action turnovers and that's always worth distinguishing because live ball turnovers create the opportunity to score and for the opponent to score in transition transition opportunities usually more efficient than half court opportunities and just in general it can lead to pretty massive disadvantages so obviously not turning the ball over in general is not ideal but if it's on dead ball turnovers like a charge or like a travel which i think you have one of each you can live with that. So another really nice game for Bryson Williams. In other words, water's wet. 
looking at some other guys, obviously you had Davion Warren, who I felt like had kind of a quiet game, if that's possible. In the second half, he certainly picked up his offensive intensity. If he had eight of his ten in the second or seven of his ten in the second half, and actually led the team in minutes with 29 minutes, had two steals as well. O'Banner had a really efficient night, ended up with 11 rebounds. So he ended up with a double double, 10 points, 11 boards. Really didn't have anything going from the perimeter, but his ability to get offensive boards and putbacks, and just in general be a presence on on the inside was something that really stood out in this game. And then looking just a few other guys to round things out. Obviously, Bacho, I think, had a little bit of a rough game, but it was nice to see him get 15 minutes of action and really kind of get his legs back under him. Certainly, Malik Wilson had the singular highlight of this game with the 360 dunk that wasn't to be. Man, I wish they didn't call, call that back. That was one of the coolest plays I think I've seen as a Tech fan. And, I mean, is it as good as a Zaire dunk? I don't think so, but... If you're looking at all-time dunks in Texas Tech tournament history, you've got the ham slam, you've got the Zaire's dunk, and you should have had the Miley Wilson dunk as a third-place dunk. So to not have that sucks. But Miley still had a good game regardless of that. I don't know. I don't know if it was the most intense game or the one where he really stood out the most, but certainly to have the defensive presence as always. I felt like he did a really good job on Xavier Bishop whenever he was matched up with him. That's an important component. And thing i've been waiting for the most i gotta say it is so nice to see buzo knocking down shots he ended up with eight points and only six minutes of action two or two from the three-point line hit a nice mid-range shot off the dribble these are the reasons why i continue to stay on the buzo hive i'm telling you one day chibuzo agbo will have a really nice shot and he will be a really nice player not sure if it's going to be attacked but certainly he's a guy that can provide so much value to you just because of his shooting because of his off-ball awareness because really, I mean, offensively, he's just the type of player you want to have as a complimentary piece. And defensively, I think he's continuing to improve. So it was really nice to see Buzo get eight points in his hometown town of San Diego. A lot of family and friends on hand. You saw him got a, got a, get a lot of cheers in that game. So for Buzo, it was a nice effort. And just in general, nice to get him some run. Obviously, it seems like he's not a part of the rotation. When Nadomli out as well, you would think that you kind of need him ready just in case foul trouble comes up or in case you really need that sort of extra body in there and potentially even the extra offensive impact he can bring so for him to be knocking down shots and looking good warms the heart but enough of the buzo talk coming up next we're going to get into the notre dame preview and take a look at what tech can do to win that game tonight but first we have a message from bet online it's that time of year again as college basketball tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Looking at this Notre Dame team, team that managed to out-survive Rutgers in the first four-game in Dayton, 89-87, a game that went into double overtime. One of the closest games of this tournament so far. Really a thrilling game to watch. If you haven't watched the highlights, I would say before you watch this game between Tech and Notre Dame, please check out the Rutgers-Notre Dame game on YouTube and just look at some of the highlights because it was a real nail biter. And 
for Notre Dame, I didn't even think they were really going to be a tournament team. I thought they were going to be on the bubble, on the wrong side of the bubble. But they were able to sneak into the tournament, one of the last four teams in. 11 seed, wasn't really expected to do a lot. I feel like Rutgers was sort of the more popular pick among the first four teams to come out of that game and then maybe even beat Alabama. But here we are, Notre Dame able to beat Rutgers, and then they got hot, and it was they were able to down Alabama 78-64 to in a game in which they shot 10-16 to from three and really just offensively found a rhythm. And this Notre, Notre Dame team is really dangerous when they can get in a rhythm offensively. Obviously, with Mike Bray as the coach, you know that they've got a pace and space – or a spacing – centric offense obviously they don't play with a ton of pace but they're shooting 38 percent from three and somehow that feels like a little bit of a down year for notre dame and really i'm just just about everything you look at for them offensively they're really good at i mean don't really turn the ball over a lot they are good at getting those three-point looks they're good at generating wide open looks they get pretty good finishes at the paint shooting about 52 percent don't take a ton of mid-range shots and just in general, this is one of the most efficient offenses you're going to watch. It's not one that really goes relies on a ton of pace. It's not one that has a ton of dribble penetration and ball movement in that sense. They're really reliant on good passing, good cutting, and really just good off-ball movement. So it's a fascinating offense to watch. It's up there with Davidson and Gonzaga for me. as one of my most fun non-tech basketball watches in college basketball. But Notre Dame... Again, the three-point shooting is what's going to stand out. I think defensively against Alabama, they were good. Certainly Alabama, I feel like, had a little bit of negative regression from three in that game. And that's one of the things that's been Alabama's kryptonite all season. It's just when they get cold from three, they're so reliant on shooting. It's just difficult for them to win games. And unfortunately for them, they got cold at the wrong time. But credit to Notre Dame. Their defense was good. Certainly forced some good a good amount of turnovers. Really did not allow Alabama to get a ton of easy transition looks either. So this is a game Notre Dame deserved to win. It's one that they might have been an upset pick, but it wasn't a significant upset. And now they come into this game against Tech. Obviously, they're going to be the underdogs, but they do have a lot of talent on their roster. One of the most intriguing pieces for them is the freshman Blake Wesley, who is probably their only real draft prospect. And he averaged about 14.5 points per game. Had an 18-point effort in the game against Alabama where he shot 8-13 from 2, 0-1 from 3. Really, this was a much-needed game for Wesley because he had struggled in the Rutgers game. He was probably one of the most inefficient main ball handlers that we've seen in the tournament so far in that game. And really, I mean, you look at his numbers, he shot 4-17 in that game, ended up with only 8 points, and that was despite playing 42 minutes of game action. So... For him to sort of shake off that game, and as well as that, I believe he'd kind of been struggling a little bit coming into the tournament. Obviously, you had a nine-point effort in the ACC tournament, first-round loss to Virginia Tech. And so for him to be able to shake that off was impressive. Wesley is, in general, one of the best freshmen in the nation. He's got a fair amount of draft hype as a late first-round pick, potentially. Certainly, his defense as a wing is really impressive. He's one of the more athletic guys out there. Three-point shot is a little bit questionable, only 31%, but he's hoisted up a lot of them, over five a game for them this season. So Wesley's one of the more intriguing players on the roster, only six foot five, but he certainly looks a lot taller than that, plays a lot taller than that. It's one of the more versatile wings you're going to find. And then beyond that, you've got Paul Atkinson, the big in the paint, might be one of the most efficient paint players you're going to see in this tournament. 
shoots about 68% from the rim, doesn't really dunk a lot. He's very much sort of an old-school style, certainly since he plays plays like he's about 40, and gets a lot of a lot of his points off of rolls, a lot of them off of offensive boards. Certainly he's not the most athletic or the quickest guy in, out there, but he's also a guy that they can afford to play fair bit of minutes and his rebounding he's the only real good offensive rebounder on on their roster if you look down the line this is one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the nation really one of the a really a below average rebounding team in general so it's one of those things where as a team they're really reliant on Atkinson to really control the paint get those second chance opportunities and kick it out to the shooters he's a relatively decent playmaker for someone of his size so Atkinson's going to be an interesting watch and probably not someone you can afford to double as much as you would a guy like Nate Watson. Beyond that, you've just got a team of shooters. You've got Dane Goodwin, who's one of the best shooters in the nation, shooting 45% on just over four attempts a game. You've got Cormac Ryan, who was absolutely red hot in the game against Alabama, 7-9 from three. He's not quite as efficient of a shooter as Good. Goodwin is only 40% from three, only 40%, but still a guy that you cannot afford to leave open. Then you've got the big man, Nate Lazuski is a 46% three-point shooter. And, I mean, that's the thing. This roster is just full of shooters. Then you've got Prentice Hub is a 31% shooter. Trey Wirtz is 38%. Like, these guys, they're guys that can, for the most part, thrive off the ball. They cut well. They shoot well. They get a lot of open looks. And if you do not guard up well off the ball, you are going to get torched by them. And that's one of the things we've seen from Tech this year that they've struggled a little bit with is guarding off the ball. So it's a little bit concerning. But I guess the one thing going in your favor is this is one of the least athletic teams you're going to find left in the tournament. Obviously, they still have Blake Wesley, who is probably the most athletic player on the roster by an absolute mile. But this is a below-the-rim team for the most part. Outside of Wesley and Atkinson, they've dunked a grand total of 16 times. And they're really not overly dependent on their scoring in the paint outside of Atkinson and to a lesser degree, Wazuski and Blake Wesley. But certainly, like these, the perimeter shooting is going to be the number one key. Offensively, I think you're going to have the opportunity to get a lot of good looks at the rim. This is not a team... That's particularly great defensively, especially on two-pointers, allowing teams to shoot 50% from two on the season. This is a Notre Dame team that defensively at times in ACC play really struggled. I mean, some of the games they had against teams like Boston College, Florida State, Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament, Louisville, they were not ideal. And those aren't really great teams either outside of, to some degree, Virginia Tech. And this is also an offense that when they get cold, they're reliant on the three. And when that doesn't fall, it can be a rough night for them. So really, it's just going to come down to offensively. You've got to be efficient. got to keep moving the ball well. Defensively, I think you're going to have the athletic advantage, but you can't afford to make silly rotation mistakes. We've seen that at times this year. Certainly at other times, Tech has been really locked in. And the good news is this is a Notre Dame team that isn't, overly talented off the dribble i think that's one thing you can really take advantage of compared to a team like baylor which has similar level of spacing but can struggle um my notre dame has the sort of ball handling ability to not struggle when you're able to lock up the three-point line and so i think 
for Tech in this game, if they can do those things off the ball and then offensively flow well, I think this is a really good matchup for them to be able to pull away. I certainly, I'm a little bit skeptical because, as I've said, the off-ball defense has been somewhat of a challenge this year. Notre Dame does have the flamethrowers to really throw a variant sort of game into the spanners. I mean, you're talking about a team, when you have guys that shoot over 60% of various games this season, you have a team that's coming off of a game where they shot over 50% from three, it's natural to be a little bit skeptical. And, I mean... At the end of the day, I have faith in Mark Adams. I have faith in Tech's defense. I have faith in the fact that Tech was able to look so dominant in the first round. So I'm going to pick Tech to win this game. I think it's going to be a 77-65 to win for Tech. It's going to be close for the most part, but I have faith in the offense really turning things around. They've looked good in over half of the halves that they've played, dating back to the start of the Big 12 tournament. And that carries weight for me. All defensively, I think you're going to allow Notre Dame to get some good looks. And, I mean, it just comes down to their shooting. If their shooting lights out, it's going to be tough to beat them. But if you play to your potential off the ball defensively, I think you can do enough to sort of stop Notre Dame and keep them from really imposing their will offensively on you. And I don't know. It's March. Anything can happen. But I've got faith in Mark Adams. I've got faith in Tech. For player of the game, I'm going to go with TJ Shannon again. I think that his shooting stroke has been masterful in March. And then. I really think that's opened up his confidence and his ability to make plays for others. And so I, I can foresee a game where he is able to get going from the three-point line and really is able to utilize his driving ability to create opportunities for others, getting dishing the ball and driving kicks, which is something that I think this Notre Dame team has struggled a little bit from in games past. They certainly are a good, good sound team on rotations, but certainly when teams have been able to get a good amount of dribble penetration on them throughout the season. So a guy like TJ could really thrive in this game, but we'll have to see. We'll be back. We'll be back tomorrow to break down whatever happened. Hopefully we can start looking ahead to sweet 16 matchup. Hopefully Ryan will be back. But in the meantime, you can follow me at eraser 41. You can follow Ryan at our mainville LBK. You can follow the official locked on Texas tech feed at locked on on Twitter. You can subscribe to us on YouTube to see our beautiful faces and you can look and find us in wherever you get your podcast every single day. So thanks for making locked on Texas tech, your first listen every day. Now make your second listen locked on NFL draft, Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback, Eric Crocker, bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. Just like Locked on Texas Tech, it is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and I will see you tomorrow.